twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll discuss how the FCC has begun to push businesses into moving from analog to digital radios. We'll review the Commission's mandates, talk about the requirements currently in place, and speculate on where this is all headed. We'll also review the Vertex Standard VH150B over-the-head Vox headset with microphone and take some of your comments and questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Your radio specialists. Two and a half years ago, the FCC's narrow banding requirements took effect and were the talk of the industry. All business radio users were required to update their licenses and possibly equipment, ensuring that they were operating on 12.5 kHz bandwidth, also known as narrow band, and not the 25 kHz or uh, wideband. January 1st, 2015 also brought about a major change, but one that has received far less attention. Beginning of this year, the FCC would no longer grant Part 90 type acceptance to radios that do not support 6.25 kHz or 6.25 kHz equivalents. While this has little to no effect on end users, it does mean that any new LMR business radios brought to market will need to support this even smaller bandwidth requirement. Yeah, this was really a big change that went into effect this year, and we're kind of starting to see some ramifications from it um, already. Uh, what what you just said basically means is that the FCC isn't going to approve analog radios anymore. That, that's not what their language says, but the effect of it is that. Um, that's, that's kind of reading between the lines a little bit, but that's what yeah, we've the, got. Yeah, the FCC doesn't really care about analog versus digital. The FCC mainly cares about bandwidth. They're trying to get as much frequency usage as possible. So uh, what they did with the narrowband requirement a couple of years ago is force everyone to go from 25 kilohertz to 12.5 kilohertz, which effectively doubles the number of possible frequencies that can be used. Well, what they're saying now, starting January 1st, 2015, is that they're not going to approve any new equipment that doesn't support six and a quarter equivalents, which is basically doubling the number of frequencies that can be used again, or at least starting down that road. They're not saying that, you know, end users have to be licensed for that or end users have to be using that. They're just saying any new equipment that comes out has to support that. Now, uh, once again, the the purpose that the FCC has given for doing this is to free up the crowded uh, bands and the crowded frequencies that are out there. It's just uh, that that everything's becoming overcrowded. The airways are just jammed, and they're really trying to free up some space here. But um, 
is that all there is? May I, you know, there may be a lot more to it than just that. And I think that I that's think, what the FCC's purpose is. The FCC mm-hmm. is concerned about frequency usage, and they know if they start down this road, it's going to be a 10, 15-year process probably mm-hmm. before they can end up phasing out any equipment that's used now. So this is just the first step, making sure new equipment that's, that's approved supports this next level of technology. But there's a big difference in this next level of technology versus the narrowband before. Mm-hmm. Narrowband, wideband was the underlying technology didn't really change. Analog radio is analog radio. So, you know, you, you can talk on the same frequency, wideband to narrowband, and while the quality may be off a little, you're still going to understand everything. But the way manufacturers implement six and a quarter equivalency is by going to digital. DMR or NXDN. So that's a big change. Yeah, it, it, it definitely DMR, is. Digital radios will not talk to analog radios, and very few radios support digital, especially when you look at the entry level. So saying that we're not going to approve any new radios that don't support this newer technology is going to be a big change. Now, that's a very that's a very big move right there. What do you think the impact of this is going to be? Well, a lot of the impact is going to be on these Chinese manufacturers that we've seen a lot of and we've been dealing a lot with. Where you, the market has kind of been flooded with very cheap, um, lower end Chinese radios. Mm-hmm. Um, Brand names that we deal with it for the amateur community, by and large, like Baofeng and and Ushin. Um radios like that, we're getting Part ninety type accepted, and we're undercutting um, these major business radio manufacturers by a lot on price, yeah. and maybe starting to have an impact on the market. Well, these guys with their analog, low cost analog radios aren't going to be able to produce any new equipment. Number one, any any new Chinese analog radio is not going to be able to reach the business market because they're not going to be able to get Part 90 type acceptance. And that's that's a major, major thing. So any analog radios that you buy now or in the future are going to be models that existed before January 1st, 2015. You're not going to see a new analog radio for businesses. It, it just will not be approved. Um, and I always kind of thought, well, the FCC can't be serious about this. A lot of times you see um, the impacts start to you know, cause problems with, right, with, right. with manufacturers and supply, and the FCC will back off and say, okay, well, we'll give you another year or two. Yeah, they'll issue waivers, and but they, they generally do that on a case-by-case basis. That's and, right, and, and we actually have a waiver. Yes, we do. From uh, Well, we don't, but Vertex right. Standard does. <laughs> the FCC issued a waiver to Vertex Standard, and reading it, makes me think that they're going to be a lot more strict on this than, than I expected them to be. They actually granted Vertex Standard a waiver on the new VX260 series, which is their analog radios that were released earlier this year. And the only reason that they allowed um, Vertex Standard to have these radios be Part 90 type accepted was because they provided a ton of evidence showing that they were submitted prior to January 1st and they have been tested prior to January 1st yeah. and only like one model due to due to some complication didn't get in before January 1st so that's why the waiver was issued but it it's definitely implied in there that this isn't going to be a common thing actually there were two models specifically 
And those were the only two models out of their whole uh, series of six models that, that didn't make it in. It was only because they it really wasn't a timing issue so much on Vertex's part. It was a, really more of a timing issue with, with the approval getting done, I think, is what it was. If, Maybe it was I a test correctly. getting submitted late yeah, or something like that? Yeah, I think it was like uh, something that they – some hoop they had to jump through that they, they did – they had all their ducks in a row. They did everything that they were supposed to do yeah. in good faith. But it was clear that Vertex was yeah. trying to get in ahead of this deadline, and they just didn't make it for some right for some some reason, reason that made a lot of sense. And the FCC granted them a waiver. But I think that that based on the way that was worded, we're not going to see any more analog only radios. Probably not. You're not going to see any new business radios that are analog only. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. So. Really, what does this mean? It's, it, I mean, t- to me, it seems like the FCC is really trying to move the industry away from analog altogether and into a new era of digital only. I think I mean, that that is, that that is the effect of what – I don't think that's the FCC's goal. I think the FCC's goal is just laying the groundwork for eventually, maybe 10 years down the road, doing – what they did with narrowbanding recently so that they can free up more frequencies. I think that's their goal, but I think the effect is you're going to see a lot more digital radios. These Chinese companies, guess what? They're not going to go away. They're not going to stop making radios. They're going to start making digital radios now. And you're going to see a flood of low cost. You're going to see the price on digital radios. The bottom is going to fall out of it. See, I think that's the difference between the, the way you and I are looking at it because um, you're seeing as really more of a of a cause and effect kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just giving the FCC a lot more credit for thinking ahead. I I, I think personally they're kind of thinking ahead on this and mm-hmm. saying we really want to kind of get away from analog altogether. We see the benefits of digital. We we want to kind of. I wouldn't say it's a for well, it is kind of a forced migration to digital in a sense, and that's kind of the way I look at it. But now I could be completely wrong in that. Uh, maybe the FCC just doesn't have that much foresight uh, to do that. I don't know, but um, you know, it, it just seems to me that I, I, I think it's just a little bit more than just the. Um, the, See, I don't think that they're just a cause and effect kind. There's of not even a digital standard, and the FCC isn't pushing in anything towards a particular standard. Even right now, well, there's, that's true. there's three that's major true. competing standards in digital. I think if the FCC had some kind of overriding, we want to push you into a new technology, they would they would sort of choose a winner and push you in that direction. And, and it seems like well, they're willing to let the market shake itself out as far as who wins and what the that. digital technology is. I agree with is. that part because I don't think that the FCC is interested in, in how everyone arrives at that technology. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, right now we have uh, a few digital standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five, six years from now, we might have over a dozen. You just never know. Or then again, it might be a, a Betamax VHS kind of fight, and then somebody wins out, and uh, uh, we're all going, you know, NXDN, or we're all going DMR or somewhere like that. Um, I think there's plenty of room for multiple standards, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it looks like it's kind of going in that direction. But I really um, I, I agree with you in the sense that, that I don't think the, the FCC cares what the specific standard is mm-hmm. that's being used. I think what, what their end game is is just to say, let's go digital. Period. You know, whatever. whatever <laughs> Without it is. any kind yeah. of. Yeah, let's See, let's pick I'm, a standard. I'm not giving you know, them that much credit. They're saying 
pick a standard, any standard. Don't tell us which one it is, but let's go. <laughs> you know, like a card trick. Huh? I don't think they care so much about the technology. I think it's more of uh, the FCC is tasked with making sure that everybody that, that needs a frequency can get a frequency. And they see frequencies running out. So what they've done before is slice the bandwidth in half and, and double their frequencies. I think they're going to do that again. I think that's their goal. Well, you may be right because well, maybe I, there's maybe some just... under you know maybe some Motorola exec is up there at the in the FCC and they're wanting to push everybody to buy new radios. But um, I, maybe I'm just giving the FCC way too much credit for 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 thinking very far ahead. <laughs> I don't know, but okay, I tell you what, we, we've got a couple of differing points of view on this. What yeah. do you think, Anthony? Which do you think it could go, or do you think it could go? I mean, do you think there's something else? in play here. I think they're just being proactive proactive for what what's to come ten years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're um I think there's gonna be a digi- strong digital push. Just kind of uh that's a good diplomatic way to handle that question. <laughs> kind of stay there in the middle somewhere. <laughs> come on I'm Anthony just, pick a side. I'm just here to sell radios. <laughs> I like no. I like your answer actually. That's uh, it, you know what I. I think you're probably right. I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I, I think it probably is. You make a good diplomat. <laughs> let's not get on that. Uh, let's not turn this into another. Uh... Well, we'll never know what the ulterior motives are. We can only speculate. So true, true. So um, so really, as far as the future is concerned, it's it's really. You know whether it's intended or not, it's pretty much going that direction towards. Yeah, I, towards I think it's exciting to see a big change coming in this industry. Oh, it is. It is. Um, I think you know a year from now we'll be looking at a lot more digital radios. If you look at our website now, do a screenshot, check it out a year from now. The percentage of digital radios in our business radio section is going to be much much higher this time next year. That's, yeah, that's I, my bad. I tend to agree. I, I mean, because last year, this time last year, I think we only had like one or two digital models out there. And uh, I think it's doubled or pre- pretty much tripled at this point, right. I think. And then you saw the, the big manufacturers rushing to get new analog radios out. The uh, ICOM F1000, F2000 came out late last year. Uh, the Vertex Standard VX260 series. Yeah. Motorola had an RM series come out last year. The, these are the analog models that you're going to see. These are going to be around for years. Um, yeah, no, that's a good observation. I, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the next 10 years bring in the world of radios, but I think it's going to be exciting either way. Uh, any other discussion or comment on, on uh, this uh, FCC requirement? I don't think so. Stay tuned. Let's see what happens. All right. Well, coming up, we'll review the Vertex Standard VH150B over-the-head box headset with microphone. Does it overachieve or underperform? We'll find out next on the Two-Way Radio Show. Searching for two-way radios? Buy two-way radios has what you need. My Two-Way Radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. My Two-Way Radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. 
We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. Our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show. And this week we're going to review an over-the-head Vox headset with microphone from Vertex Standard. The VH150B. Yeah, this is a new headset from Vertex Standard. I, you know, for a while there, Vertex didn't have a lot of, you know, they were always big on the um, shoulder mics, lapel mics type deal. But it seems like in the last couple months, they've gotten real big with earpieces. Yeah, they kind of beefed up their audio accessory selection. Yeah, they, this they, was they, a big thing at IWCE this year that they were talking about. Yeah, I, I, don't, and I guess we never really paid attention to, I mean, we always sold Impact and XLT accessories for the, our Vertex customers, but uh, they've released a couple different styles of headsets and earpieces over the last few months, and the one we're going to talk about today is the VH150B over-the-head Vox headset. Um this is a you know single muff headset with boom mic, Vox compatible, um, kind of like what you would see like a phone receptionist wearing. I, I refer to it as like a lightweight headset. Mm-hmm. XLT and some of the others call them usually call them lightweight headsets. Uh, it's got support it, like uh, goes over your head and right. supports both. So it'd be a good long wear headset. Like that's if right. You're sitting all day long with a headset on. Um, it'd be comfortable. I can see a lot of. Um, forklift drivers using this you know people that are you want to maybe use the vox or a simple push to talk it's not going to be you know if you're not using vox it's not going to be completely hands-free but it's going to beat having to um take the radio off your belt and uh you know that sort of thing um i could see some dispatchers using it as well yeah i mean it's there's Mm -hmm. quite a few people i think could use it but uh pretty simple style headset i mean it's uh it works with the uh, uh, you know the standard uh, vertex three and a half millimeter plug with the screw on fix uh, connector, and it fits a wider range of vertex. Some of the older models, the old two tens, one sixties, one eighties, the two thirties, all the way up to some of the newer uh, like the Everge digital radios. Um, they'll work with those, and um, you know everything in between. Um, you know, we did it. It is uh, intrinsically safe approved, which is great. You know, and Vertex is one of the only few companies left that are still doing intrinsically safe radios, and one the, with their 450 series. And I think their Everge series is going to be coming out with intrinsically safe here pretty soon. But you know, it is compliant to that as well. So that's uh, you know, that's definitely a plus. You don't want to have an intrinsically safe radio and not an IS approved accessory plugged That's true. into it. It kind of defeats the purpose of having the radio. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, um, flexible boom mic, so it can be adjusted um, accordingly. You know, it's uh, um, you can flex it away. You can pull it closer to your mouth, things like that. Cushioned earpiece that uh, sits over, over top of your ear 
and your other ear is free. Um, I haven't tried one on, but I'm sure it's pretty comfortable. I know some of the older lightweight headsets are, uh, you know, pretty comfortable to wear and can be worn for long periods of time. But uh, um, I had one on my desk when they first came in, and um, I checked it out a little bit, and uh, it seemed rather, it, it seemed somewhat comfortable. I, I'd say that it's on par with that of the, of the XLT uh, HS150 in, in a way, and I like the HS150. Um, I wouldn't say it's it's extraordinary in that sense. So that that's why you know you look at the price on it. What, what we got here for the price? Sixty four ninety nine. Yeah, it's it's that's about like twice the price of some other headsets. You might think, well, that's you know that's really pricey. But when you consider the fact that it's intrinsically safe, and you don't, there are not a whole lot of accessories out there that are. Um, that's I, I could see the reason for having this cost more. That's a big reason right there. Sure, this this is a high quality headset for sure. Yeah. But um, when you're talking about intrinsically safe products, as we were just talking a minute ago, you know, why go out and get spend the extra money and get an intrinsically safe radio uh, and battery and and everything else that you need to to make sure it's not going to cause any sparks or flames anywhere uh, on a on a hazard in a hazardous environment, and then you go out and stick a you know a little headset or an accessory on there that's just going to invite it all in. Um, yeah, you know, go out and spend the extra money and get a, yeah, if, if a, you, a, a, a if, one of these. If you have to have intrinsically safe radios, then there's, this is a no-brainer. What about for the you know majority of people who don't need intrinsically safe radios? Would would you recommend this versus say an, an XLT headset? The XLT works, uh, I think, just as well. Um, just as well for I, half the money. Yeah, I think, but I think a lot of it comes down to there are some people out there that don't want to put an aftermarket earpiece inside a name brand that's or, true you know or, you yeah. know they want oem with oem yeah you know, and, and want, i can see the logic behind that um you know so i guess it just depends on your budget um you know for the is customers or the intrinsically safe customers i definitely would recommend this all day long Okay. For the regular business customer, maybe you go with it. Maybe you'd save some money and go with it. XLT yeah, depends I mean, on it's... how you feel about brand names. Exactly. Makes sense. Okay. Um, so you would give this uh, two thumbs up on it. You'd say this is a cool little headset, or yeah, it's uh, you know I think it's I think it's a long time coming for Vertex to finally get involved with the uh, you know I'm excited to see a lot more accessories come from them. Well, maybe this is just the start of many more to come. I'm pretty sure it is. All right, we have some comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. Um, mostly, I think what we have this week are comments. And uh, some of them are, are pretty interesting, uh, covering a couple of topics. Um, the first one, and actually I'm, I'm going to go through these in, in uh, by by category. Um, we Uh-oh, did categories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few episodes back, it was episode 90, we covered the black box base station radio. Right. And, um, and we, we, I thought we gave it a pretty fair assessment. Uh, we got quite a few comments on that. Um, the first comment uh, apparently came from Mr. Klein from Black Box, from Klein Electronics, who, who, who manufactures the, the black box radio. 
Um, he said, you should ask questions before you post ignorant comments. Yes, we use a Balfunk keypad and screen due to low cost, but the entire thing from there is custom. The power supply is modified to accept AC. The speaker output is three times a portable radio, uh, four-ohm speaker with amplifier. The housing is custom. The circuitry is completely modified with high-quality shielding, voltage protection, and coil mod. Um, so you think it's a Vega from the headlights, but we wrapped it in a Ferrari body and put a Maserati engine inside. And uh, that's from Mr. Klein there. Uh, Still my favorite. So, so right away we got other com we got some responses to his comment. One was from John. He says uh, he's responding to his comment. He says uh, we'll see. So far. So far on the amateur forums, it is a joke. I'd like to see the FCC ID, which it has to have, so we can see the exhibits of what's really inside. In the end, we'll have to see what actual user reviews and specifications have to say. There are folks who will put it through a meat grinder to see if it is really a, quote, Baofeng in a box, unquote, or not. And that's from John. And uh, this one I can't even say on the podcast because we want to keep it family friendly but we'll skip down to uh um but uh, apparently he he uh he didn't like mr klein's comments either um we'll uh skip down to uh matt matt says i'm yet to see any balfung actually have an fcc id i've had three of them from various sellers including amazon and none have had an fcc id on the radio only text without any number saying fcc certified on the cardboard box i'm still not convinced any of them are certified anything and then uh, john re replied to that saying uh, noticed no FCC ID or any mention of FCC compliance or no mention in the manual of this, plus no mention of proper licensing requirements. And that was uh, from John. Now, um, I do have some information on that, by the way. Um, you know, the Balfong UV5R does have a Part 90 FCC ID, but it's not always put on the radio uh, uh, some yeah whoever orders the radios can kind of specify what sticker how they want it stickered whether right. the FCC ID or not right well having said that uh, I did some research and I actually contacted Klein and and we actually have the we have the actual FCC ID for the for the Baofeng UV5R but I contacted Klein and uh, asked them is there an FCC on uh, ID on this radio they responded back and provided the FCC ID. And uh, for the record, it is the same identical FCC ID on the, uh, the, the black box uh, base station. It has the exact same FCC ID as the Baofeng UV5R. So it does have a Part 90 uh, FCC ID. They actually don't put the sticker on the box as a lot of Balfung UV5Rs don't have theirs, but there, F there is an FCC ID for it, and it is the FCC ID for the Balfung. Right, which so, is what we, we kind of thought. And, you know, first of all, I, I don't know if that comment was from um, Mr. Klein at, at Klein Electronics that, you know, anybody can put a, put a comment that's on our true. website. That's true. Um, if it was, I, you know, I, I went back and listened to that episode, and I didn't think we were unfair to his radio. No, Basically, my assessment was that, you know, the amateur community is not going to like this radio. They're going to think it's overpriced. 
But yeah. business users, which is who his target market is for this radio, is going to like it because it's, you know, even though it's a high price for a Baofeng UV5R, business users aren't going to know about a UV5R. And That's they're true. not. And Well, some won't. <laughs> some won't. Most won't. And it's a good price for a base station in a, a business category. When you compare, um, when you look at other base stations that are out there, being in LMR lineups, being targeted to business users, the price is higher than 200 bucks or so, which is what the, the black box base is, is going for. So businesses are probably going to like this radio. It's going to get beaten up. Though. He's got to yeah, expect yeah, this will. is going to get beaten up by people on the Internet that are, you know, ham radio users and the people who are aware that this is a UV5R that they put it in a different case, essentially. Sure, he's souped up the volume or, or whatever, but, I mean. Well, you know, since that episode, uh, we have had these in stock. We have them in stock now. And uh, all three of us have held one in our hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty much the assessment is the same. This does, for all intents and purposes, look like a Baofeng in a box. You can't really expect – I mean, I thought we were very fair with it. We, we actually kind of defended it in a way, um, in a lot of ways. Uh, so if you'd heard the whole podcast, you would have heard us kind of speaking up on, on their behalf on this radio. But – um, yeah, you know, anybody that looks at it at face value is going to assume that it's a Baofeng in a box, so to speak. And really, it is. The fact that the FCC ID number on this is the same as the UV5R FCC ID tells me that all of the yeah. electronic they're using a UV5R board, which is fine. Look at the topic of that we talked about today, the, the FCC change where mm-hmm. you can't get an analog radio a, a type accepted anymore. You're probably going to see a lot more of this where old I wouldn't be surprised. boards are repurposed for things like this. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. This, this may be just a sign of things to come in that regard. But, um, you know, if, if that was um, Mr. Klein, no, no offense intended, you know, there's a market for this product. I really believe it, but it's not the U.S. amateur market, which is the majority of the listeners of our our podcast here. So that's who we're talking to for the most part. Yeah. Well, we've sold a few of them, so it's, right. it's uh, uh, you know, what you're saying is true. I mean, it's There is a market for it. It's just going to be a niche market for that product. Right. We're selling it. Would I put this on our website if uh, I didn't think it, it there was a market for it and it was a decent product? Probably not. I think well, most people point. they're going to look at it and go, oh, that's, they're not going to know it's a Baofeng. No, that's they're a really not. good point. Yeah, and, we and, know, we've held enough Baofengs you know, that it's a Baofeng. Yeah, it's, it's a $50 radio, but you've turned it into a base station. And if in the world of business base stations, $200 is a very good price for one of those. I'll go with that. <laughs> I'm gonna make Thank you. one. <laughs> you gonna make one? I'm gonna make one. <laughs> uh, somebody else posted a comment. I'm taking a UV5R apart today. One of the returns pile. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> see what. It... That's a good use for them right there. All right. Well, um, our next question. Now we, we had a second category here. The second category has to do with uh, another uh, recent episode we did announcing the elimination of the FCC regulatory fee for um, 
uh, for GMRS licensing and the uh, vanity call sign. And uh, this is from Steve. Steve says, is it, it is idiotic for the FCC to require a $65 or $90 license to operate a GMRS radio that costs less for a pair than it does for a license. You can buy these radios anywhere with no restrictions. You can use them anonymously and never face any kind of penalty. The license does not guarantee that operators will follow any known rules any more than it does for the amateur radio community. The difference between GMRS and amateur radio is that amateur radio operators can operate up to 1,500 watts, enough power to do physical harm to other people, and disrupt radio communications around the world. A handheld GMRS radio cannot. You're lucky to talk five miles. Too bad for the folks who shelled out money for a license. It's no different than the amateur radio operators who are angry because the Morse code requirement went away. Things change. Fees go up. Fees go down. Life moves forward. I can't understand why the folks who make GMRS radios are not the ones lobbying heavily against licensing. I would buy a pair of their radios if there were no license requirement. But since my amateur license was much cheaper and I can communicate much farther, I'll wait until there's no license. And that's from Steve. He makes some pretty good points in this. He makes some pretty he good really points. Does. I agree with most of what he says. I think that the FCC also agrees with most of what he says. And it's they would, in a second, if they could snap their fingers, get rid of this GMRS licensing, I think that it's just, it's almost would take an act of Congress, literally. And well, it, it, just, it pretty much will, because that's where the, the, the uh, uh, application fee is, is set by, right? Yeah, and yeah. we're actually, there have been some movement on the GMRS changes here recently, mm-hmm. and uh Hopefully something is on the horizon, some changes. It looks like the FCC had conversations with some of the manufacturers, and there have been comments added to that proposal that would update the uh, or eliminate the GMRS license. So hopefully something is is going to happen. And um, to his point where he would think that manufacturers would be lobbying to get rid of the license, I think they are. And you see comments, if you look at the proposal that the FCC's made that would eliminate licensing, Manufacturers have commented on it, and they're in agreement. But I think that really most people, if, if we're being honest, most people use the radios and don't get a license anyway. That's true. And nobody's doing talk, anything we don't about, talk about that, though. <laughs> no one's doing anything about that. The FCC certainly isn't. So yeah. um, I don't think the manufacturers care that much because it doesn't seem to stop pe- too many people from buying radios. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, our last comment comes from uh, KF4SCI, uh, and uh, he says, Years ago, CB radio required a license, but the channels rapidly became useless due to abuse. I predict FRS and GMRS will end up the same. What really scares me is now that inexpensive Chinese transceivers that operate on several amateur bands are available to anyone. This will infect the ham frequencies, and we will spend most of our time tracking down illegal stations rather than enjoying decent worldwide communication. Drop the fees, but enforce the rules this time so everyone can use the airwaves. Make the penalty so severe that it isn't worth violating the rules. And that's from KF4SCI. Um, you know, that, that's a tall order because uh, it's kind of tough to enforce the, the rules like that on millions and, and millions of, of GMRS users. Um, yeah, the... the cat sort of out of the bag on it you yeah, have I so many so. unlicensed transceivers that are out there now that people are using and aren't even aware that they should have a license for 
Yeah, I mean, it uh, sounds good in concept, yeah. but but in execution, it's 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 pretty difficult, if not impossible. I think at this point, enforcement's an issue anyway. You're going to go round up millions of GMRS users. I don't know. I don't think no. it works. I can see it happening. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buytwowayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussion at twowayradioforum.com. As always, you can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, blueberry.com, or stream it on Stitcher. All right, uh, I guess that does it for our show this week. Uh, before we go, any other final thoughts? No? No final thoughts so. at all. Okay. All right, well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Keemster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out.